You're listening to Hockey Night in New York, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large. Here's your hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stubby. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, March 8th, 2020. Coming at you from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Got another big show coming up for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Tony Stabile is back. And despite the current set of circumstances, pal, it is good to have you back. Tony Stabile. My name's Sean Cuthbert. How are you? What's up, buddy? How's everything going? Well, aside from the obvious, pal, and and why we're here talking, uh, everything's pretty good, man. Everything's good. But as you know, uh, things aren't so good in what they call Islander country, Islander land. It has been Grim City, pal. Grim City, losers of six straight, be it by overtime loss or regulation loss, and it has been a tough stretch. And Tony, who knew that Andy Green and Jean-Gabriel Pajot would be such locker room cancers because, I mean, ever since these guys have shown up, particularly Pajot, <laughs> haven't won a game since he showed up. What's going on? Yeah, there's a lot to go over, bro. There's a lot to talk about with this team right now. And, you know, it's, it's since Barry's taken over and, and, and really since the whole – you know, for the last 18 months, there's been nothing but positives to talk about with this organization and this team. And since Lou took over and, you know, other than, you know, 91 leaving, everything has really been, you know, a positive. And they are really mired in the worst stretch of hockey that they've had since uh, since the Doug Wade era. So, uh, you know, obviously for the worst since Barry's been here and, you know, look, we'll, we'll get into it. But, you know, there's there's a there's a lot going on here, bro. There really is, and it couldn't have come at a worse time. I mean, look, the the conversation now for a while has been this meandering through 500 hockey. They just, you know, haven't been playing well, essentially since just a little bit after that 17-game point streak, and somehow they they figured out a way to find a new low here with these six straight losses, and it's funny, this, this skid started out you know, relatively positive in the sense that it was the the second half of a two zero and two unbeaten in regulation streak. If you can remember, you know, back uh, when the losses started with that Ranger game with that overtime loss. But since then, it has turned into a very very ugly six game losing streak. And just because I mentioned the fellow's name, and, and we'll jump into everything else afterwards, I did want to talk about Pajot. Obviously, you and I haven't been able to talk about it on the air yet. Uh, the guy's been in six games. They've lost all six of them. <laughs> he has two goals, one on the power play, minus six. Uh, if you want to take a, another positive aside from the goals and the way he acclimated himself against the Rangers, because obviously that was a, a brilliant debut for him. He's uh, just a mm-hmm. clip over 57% on the faceoff circle, so he has been as advertised with the faceoffs, which is nice because uh, you know we've been talking about how the Islanders need somebody to win faceoffs aside from Brock Nelson. And he's been averaging about 19 minutes per night after the first game against the Rangers. He had about 12 minutes in that game. I guess Barry just wanted to see how he acclimated himself to the team. But look, man, they have not won a game since he showed up. All jokes aside, it is it is not his fault. But, I mean, geez, you, you know, you, you're the new guy in the team, and you want to be part of the winning, especially with the, the winning they were doing earlier on in the season. So I guess we'll just start with that, pal. How do you feel about Pajot since he's – 
join the team and, and how he's he's uh, shown himself here with the Islanders on the ice. Yeah, I, I don't I, look. I, I I love the guy. Uh, I love the way he plays. I love his attitude. Uh, I'm very I'm I'm ecstatic about the trade. Uh, regardless of what they gave up, um, I'm ecstatic about the trade. I'm ecstatic about the contract extension. This is a guy that you need to have on your team. This is a Franz Nielsen type of player. He's a winning player. He's a player that is going to help this team down, um, you know, down the stretch over the course of the net, over the course of this contract that he signed. Uh, but you know, the Islanders right now are in a bad way because they have some indispensable players that are not in the lineup, and it is really, really, really screwing them up. Um, you know, we all know how important Casey Sezikis is to this team and we're really seeing it because they're, they're, they're lost right now without him. He is, uh, <clears throat> they have no fourth line center. They cannot roll that fourth line. Um, you know, the guys on the fourth line are not, are, are not playing up to the way that they can play. And that's, that's a big problem. Clutterbuck has not been himself since he's been back. He's now hurt again. He's going to be out as he was out of the lineup again. So, you know, it this is it's, it's a it's a it's a bad situation right now because they're trying to plug holes. I can't really blame Pajot because he's had a, a carousel no, of wingers on his wing. You know, you can't really blame him for what's going on. The team around him is just not playing well. You saw flashes of it yesterday against Carolina, but you know, they played, you know, not well. They have not played well all week long and they've hadn't played well really in the last three weeks. Yeah, it's been longer it. than a week, pal. It's definitely been longer than a week. And and this is where this this losing streak currently has him. So Record stands now 35-23-9, good for 79 points in 67 games. They currently find themselves now, as a result of these results, in a three-way tie for the two wild card spots with the Canes and the Blue Jackets. The Canes trounced the Pens today 6-2, to two, so they're, they're looking pretty good after a nice little weekend against some division rivals here. And, uh, you know, going into tomorrow, it's all going to depend on what happens between the Jackets and the Canucks tonight because they play tonight. In fact, I believe Puck has dropped. So, if, depending on what happens in that game, pal, the Islanders could find themselves on the outside looking in on the playoff picture if the Jackets get a point or two against the Canucks. So, buddy, with all that said, how does it feel to be Tony Stabile? Well... I mean, look, Ralph. They put themselves and they've put themselves squarely in this position, flat out. Okay. I mean, if Columbus is playing their 70th game tonight, the Islanders are only at 67, so they do have three games in hand right. after tonight on Columbus. Right. Yeah. So they do have that going for them, but you know, this team has got to wake up. I mean, they have not played well. They have gone. They've gone away from what has been as as kept them at the top of the standings for the last 18 months. They have gone away from what has gotten them to be one of the more consistent and successful teams in the NHL since Barry Trotz has been around. They're not themselves. They're completely, they're, they're just, they're off their game. You know, you look at Matt Barzell, he's the only guy out there that seems to be playing at a regular, at a regular level. Everybody else is not living up to their standards. Even he's not been having doing, problems too, man. Uh, you know, even, even, yeah, no, they have, but he's the only one that he's the only one that's even a semblance of himself. I mean, everybody else on this team, Martin has not played well. Clutterbuck, like I said, since he's come back, has not been the same player. You know, Broussard is not is doing nothing. You know, you got Del Cole in the lineup on a nightly basis, and you're not getting any offense from him whatsoever. Um, you know, I mean, Kamarov has been, you know, the, the type of player that, that he is. I mean, it's you know, everyone complains about his, his contract and how much money he makes, but 
you know, he, he still, he, he's, he does his job most, most nights. Um, you look at, you know, Bailey hasn't scored. He's still not shooting. You know, well, he Andrew had the Lee, big goal yesterday to down. tie the game. He did have a big goal, but that what, I, what was the, that was the, what the first shot he took in the, the last three weeks. I mean, <laughs> he's, you know, he's, uh, this is this is the soapbox I'm on with this guy. I love Josh Bailey, but this man needs to shoot more. Well, we you know, know they're that. they're in a bad they're in a bad way, and I hear everybody talking about you know bring up the kids, and it's this is it, it's not so much it's it's not so much that you can bring these guys in because Lee is down or Everly is down or you know these guys are hurt or whatnot. It, you're not going to take those guys out of the lineup. You're not going to make Andrews Lee or Jordan Everly a third or a fourth line player. The guys who are in the lineup need to play better. They need to play up to their potential and up to what they are capable of doing and what they're being paid to do. Right. They're just not playing well. And it's just not going on where it's just say, well, it's just a stretch. Because that's really what it was up until, you know, 10 days ago. Now they are just, they're in a hole. They've dug themselves into a, to a point where they're at, they, they actually have lost only They've lost almost as many games as they did last year, okay? And they still have, what, 15 games to go? 15, that's they, it. We have less than a month to go. to go. And last year, they were a, a, a extraordinary team away from the Coliseum. They were tw- 10 games over 524-14-3, almost identical to being at home. This year, they're 15-14-3, but they're, you know, they've been dominant at home, 29-6. So, I mean, th- this is a team that needs to wake up and they need to do it right now. It has to happen now, starting today. Forget about the fact that, you know, what's happened and what's gone on. Lou Amarillo went out. He acquired Andy Green, which plugged the hole for Adam Pellick. He, he, pl- he, he acquires Pajot, who on everybody's list was the top player, the top traded player that was going to be available, other than Chris Kreider, who didn't go anywhere. Okay, he went out and made those two deals. He, he he brought in the reinforcements that were needed, and the guys around them have gone absolutely off of a cliff. So they got to wake up and they got to do it soon, or they're going to really literally find themselves knocking on the door. And then at Lou, at that point, is going to have to look at this roster and say, "Is this a team that is? You know, do I have to make wholesale changes? Do I need some, you know, to you know, to move some of these guys out?" Well, it's, yeah, that's certainly a lot the- on the line. Yeah, that's certainly in the conversation now. I mean, look, the 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 book is is not closed yet. You know, like you said, fifteen games left, and you know if they are able to get their act together here, some semblance of playoffs. We don't know how deep they're going to go. I, I know everybody's confidence is very low right now in what this team might be able to do in the playoffs if they get in. But look, we've seen what this team is capable of. Okay, we we got a full season of it last year essentially the same team this year. And now you might even be able to argue a a, a big upgrade in that third-line center. Now, granted, this is a guy who's only been with the team for six games. He needs some time to acclimate himself. We've seen what the injuries have done to this team. We talked many times about how, relatively speaking, how healthy they were last year. And their depth has been exposed. We thought that you know, they, they they were able to survive a little bit more. You know, just an outlook at that. I remember at the beginning of the season, we were talking about how we, we liked the depth throughout the lineup and how guys were able to plug in here and there. But, you know, we, we were definitely wrong in that assessment because, look, they finally got some injuries and, and the team is definitely exposed. You know, with guys... Yeah, but they got some... They, they have a bunch of injuries, though, if you think about it, bro. You have you have Flutterbuck that's out of the lineup. You got Zizekas out of the lineup. You got Boychuk now out of the lineup. You got... Uh, Pellick out of the lineup. Like you got a lot of guys out of the lineup. I know Green is here to replace one of them. I know Pajot was brought in to fill a hole that they they never really filled after Philpula left. But I mean, you, you're talking about you're talking about key key injuries that you know. Look, 
you know, Tampa Bay, look, every team's got injuries. Exactly. All right? Carolina was playing well, lost both of their goaltenders, okay? Sidney Crosby was out for most of the season with, with, from Pittsburgh. You know, right. Tampa Bay's got, um, got Steven Stamkos out of the lineup now. So, I mean, in all honesty, you know, the injury thing, and if you talk to Barry, you talk to Lou, they're not talking about injuries, all right? The players aren't talking about it either, but it's definitely playing a role in what's going on here, but these guys got to step up. I mean, it's plain and simple. They have to step up. Right. It's, and it's, and it's when we... Point where, go ahead, go ahead. It's a point where... No, I'm just saying, it's, it's to the point where, you know, like you had your rough spell, you, you, you've had time to figure this out, get you, you know, it's time to get on the horse. Guys have, has to, have to step up and start, you know, and start contributing where they're not doing so. No, it, it's... Look, it's, from what I can see, it's definitely a, a soul-searching sort of situation. It's a it's a mental get-back-in-the-horse sort of thing. I mean, look, again, they've, they've been on this stretch now for just, which, which has now been the majority of the season, right? I mean, you know, we were able to kind of talk about how, oh, they'll get back at it, they'll get back at it, everything's going to be all right. You know, it'll get back to maybe not, maybe not 17-game point streaks are normal, but they'll get back to winning more games than they lose, and... It just never came, and here we are, fifteen game, you know, fifteen games to go in the season, and this has kind of become the norm, and you know that can weigh on a player mentally. Now, look, these guys are professionals, as you pointed out; they get paid a lot of money to play this game, and you know, you, you'd like to think that you know they have it in them to you know get out of this and, and get back to playing better because we've seen that they're capable of it. Again, it's essentially the same personnel, so we know the the capability is there. But for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to put put it together. And just you know what I'm noticing, and I and I, and I know I've been using blanket statements, you know, not playing Barry Trotz hockey like they had been and all that. But just more specifically, I mean, just looking at these, especially the games this past week. But you know, really overall for a while now is, and I do think it points a little bit to the mental situation. I do also maybe think that. Because the the schedule has been so condensed for them since the their All Star break, you know we we've highlighted that more than once. How they've been playing essentially every other night, sometimes you know more often than that. And I'm not raising this as an excuse, as more so as a as maybe a reason. Because again, every other team, all thirty other teams in the league, still have to deal with tough scheduling and, and whatnot. So again, it's not an excuse at the end of the day. But if we're looking for reasons as to why they're playing below their you know, expectations and abilities, I'm just reaching for, for, you know, consideration of why that might be. But the things I'm seeing on the ice, it's just an overall level of sloppiness. They're just not the same. It's like, you know what it is? Last year, for the majority of the season, it was like they were playing without thinking. They went out, they did their jobs, they knew where they had to be, they knew what they had to do, they capitalized on their chances, they finished on their chances. Now, yes, could they have used more scoring like like this year? Yes, but I mean they were essentially middle of the pack with goal scoring last year. But point is mm-hmm. they they were confident and they just went out and did their jobs. And how many games did we watch last year? You know, whether they were playing with the lead or playing behind, you felt pretty confident that they were going to come out with a W either way, right? Whereas they figured out ways to win games. Exactly. Whereas this year, they are just figuring out ways to lose, and it comes down again to this this sloppiness that I'm talking about. Problems clearing the zone. They're getting beat on, you know, board battles and board plays. And you know, when they finally get chances, they're not finishing. And it just seems like every other time that happens, it's going back the other way, and the pucks ending up in the back of their net. So, and that stuff weighs on you, especially over you know whatever it is now, forty something games where they've been playing this this sort of five hundred hockey. So. 
you know, at the end of the day, this is just something they're going to have to look inside, and I'm sure they are. I mean, one thing that I will say, and I know I'm going on a long rant here, Tony. I will let you speak shortly, but yeah, is one thing that was encouraging to me was Anders Lee's interview after the game yesterday, where he was asked a question, something to the effect of, you know, how do you guys salvage the season? And he and he and he just looks straight at whoever asked the question. He's like, salvage the season. He's like, we're in a playoff spot. He's like, we're fine. We're going to be fine. So that was encouraging to me because there's no woe is me attitude. You know, regardless of how the fans might feel right now, they, you know, that tells me that this guy, at least as the captain, he's still focused. He still believes in this team and he still has the confidence that they can get the job done. But as you said, Tony, it's got to happen now. You could argue it should have happened already, of course. But yeah, they're they're in a tough spot, man. They they, they all the all those bonus points they racked up in the middle, beginning of the season, they are gone, sir. Well, let me tell you something. If they hadn't gone on that run, you know where they would have been right now. Of course, they'd be at the bottom of the they'd be at the bottom of the conference. So, you know they they need to get this. They need to get themselves on the right right and ship. I mean, look, there are plenty of there there. When I tell you there are plenty of problems here, yes, there are plenty of problems. Okay, you got a guy playing on the third line. Okay, that you know Matt Martin in, in the same amount of games as Michael Del Cole has got more goals than Del Cole does. You, that, that should never happen. Okay, that should absolutely not be the case. Okay, your third line winger should not have four goals through fifty three games. Okay, that's that is just that's unacceptable. Uh, you know you have you you have guys who are just you know like Tom Kuhnhackel has been in and out of the lineup. You know twenty eight games this year he's been hurt. You know, like those are your depth guys. Those are guys you're supposed to be able to put in the lineup when you need to shake things up. And mm-hmm. you know, they're they've been you know over the past. You know, he missed two months. You know, basically Kuhnhackel, and he comes back. You know, and he has to play a stretch of games because you know, again, because you got guys like you know Del Cole and whatever that are not doing what they have to do and have to fill in for injury. It's just there's so many different things that you're looking at here. You know, and it's 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 disheartening it really is because they just you, you see you saw early on what they were capable of doing when they were playing at their best you saw last year you saw how they steamrolled the penguins in the first round you know they are obviously capable of playing that way right. okay there's no there's, there's no question about that but they have fallen so far off of that that they don't even resemble that team from early on in the season and that's and that's scary because they were so good and they're, you know, they were, they were like you said, like a machine out there. You know, they knew exactly where they had, what they were doing, where they had to be, where they had to go, and now they just seem completely lost. No, it's it's true, and it, and it's tough to pinpoint, you know, why that is. And again, that's why you have the two of us here reaching for explanations, right? We talk about the injuries, we talk about the condensed schedule here in the second half of the season. You know, could that be it? Yeah, sure, maybe. You know, is there there's some things going on in the locker room that we're not aware of? We don't, you know, who knows. Or, you know, I guess the, the, the last place I want to go with this is, is, is this just a, a better representation of this team? I mean, are the, you know, the people who we, we were all quick to, us on this show, and even fans were very quick to put down, you know, stats guys, numbers guys, like Dom LeCision over at The Athletic, where they were talking about how last season was an outlier, and, you know, I guess even into the first 20 games of this season, you know, and we were all, you know, pumping our chests and saying, oh, yeah, what do you have to say about that now? You know, is this just a long, long regression to the mean that these guys were expecting this entire time? I'm I'm not sold on that, but you have to consider the possibility, right? Because you have guys like him and guys that are crunching numbers like this every day, and they're telling us that, you know, they've been playing above their heads you know, now for, I guess, a, a season and 
and a quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no question. I mean, is that possible? Is that possible? Absolutely, it is. I mean, look, we as as much as we had fallen in love with this team, and we and we all did. Okay, we all fell in love with this team, but there there have been there have been some some you know some guys who have kept up and, and played the way that they were supposed to play. I think Ryan Pollock has, has done a really good job with that. He's, he's, he's been fairly consistent from, from the beginning of last season through now. Uh, I, I think that, you know, I mean, Anthony Bovillier has, has definitely taken a step forward this year, though. He still has that streakiness to his game. You know, we obviously have seen what, what Brock Nelson has done, but we've seen regression. We've seen regression in Josh Bailey. We've seen regression in, in Anders Lee and their numbers. Uh, you know, Lee hit the 20-goal mark again this year. Again, Bailey, you know, through, you know, 67 games, he's got 14 goals. He's got him on 93 shots, so that's a 15% shooting percentage. But he still he doesn't even have 100 shots yet through 67 games. I mean, it's infuriating. You know, Joe Neverly has <laughs> definitely right. come back, and Everly has come back and played much better this year. 30, he's got almost 40 points in 57 games, so that's more of a norm for him. Which right. is, you know, right. he's, he's, he's played better. Broussard had a really, really good stretch early on in the season. He's done essentially nothing since then. You know, Devon Tate, who was such a revelation last season, you know, when, when he came up the year before and, and, and the way he played all of last year, you know, the way he played last year when he came up and, you know, and he's had some really, really tough games, bro. Like games where he has been exposed, you know, bad turnovers, you know, missed assignments, things, right. you know, things that you don't want to see out of a young defenseman. I know it's the second year. I know that can possibly happen. Yeah, I'm willing, uh, I'm willing to give him some rope, you know, being a second season. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, look, and he's and he's he's on pace for a 30-35 point season. So, you know, yes, you're absolutely right. He has had some rough patches, no question about it. But I'll take a 30-35 point season for uh, for the second year him. But but anyway, continue with your grander point. Agreed, agreed. Um, you know, and look, you have guys, you know, you got, you've gotten a lot more out of Johnny Boychuk this year than I think anybody would have expected. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he you know, uh, for his age and, and the way he plays the game, you know, the fact that he had played 64 games up until the fact that that scary eye injury from the other night, which is, you know, which is terrible. Though, obviously very glad that. What is know, going he, on with these know, okay. freak, freak skate accidents? It's three in one season is crazy. But you see, this is the problem, and it's, it happened the other or night. Two with skate the, the and then one soccer one. injury, right? You have Clutterbuck. You have uh, you have. Uh, oh no, no, right. it was three: Sezikis, Clutterbuck, and and now Boychuk. Yeah, three crazy skate yeah. injuries, and then Pellick was the soccer injury. And you also had yeah, and you also had you know, other guys around the league that have had um, that have had skate injuries. Also, Alex Martinez had the same injury that Clutterbuck that he missed uh, two two or three months. Yeah, uh, with surgery on that. So. You know, it's it's happened a lot, and 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 on the injury to to, to Boychuk, in my opinion, at least, you know, it's a lot of these guys are trying to sell the penalty, and they're flopping on the skates, and that's really what happened. Yeah, that, 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 that skates should never have come up the way that they did. Yeah, it, it definitely didn't look uh, that like physics were, was involved there. You know what I mean? <laughs> it looked like there was some uh, some other force that brought that skate up the the way it is. I mean, look, I'm certainly not a, accusing anybody of trying to skate uh, cut somebody's face with their skate, but. I mean that looked a little irresponsible, and and the uh, the result of it was awful, and it could have been a lot worse. I agree, I agree, and you know the fact that it just cut the lid is is something is is very very good luck for 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 Johnny Boychuk. He's very fortunate. The fact that he didn't have an injury to his eye, you know, obviously, you know, we saw years ago what happened to Brian Berard. Um, right, you know, it, it's you know, and he got hit with a stick, let alone a skate. So 
it's a uh, it's a scary thing. But this is something at the NHL. And look, I, I have a lot to say about the NHL. We're going to get into that in a few yes, minutes. Yes, we but, are. You know, because I, I have I have a lot to say. Because and and it, it, well, never mind. But anyway, the point <laughs> is that they, they need to they need to address this among a host of other things they need to address. Uh, but that's something that they need to talk about in the offseason because this is happening way too much. These guys are literally flopping on the ice. You can't be doing that. You know, this is not, you know, soccer where you can, you know, you're trying to, you know, pull the green, you know, your red card, green card, whatever. I don't even know what the fucking thing it is. But still, you know, the point is, is that these guys need to, these guys need to stop flopping around like this and, and you know, and stop hurting each other because yeah. ridiculous. You know, you have is way too many of them this year. I mean, I know Zekas wasn't on a wasn't on a flop, but you know, this is this is more than a few that this has happened this year. Yeah, it's just wild. I mean, I'm sure there was at least one between between then and now. But the last freak skate injury I can think of that the Islanders had, and again, I'm sure I'm forgetting at least one. But was I remember Yashin way back when? Remember he got that yep. cut in the wrist yep, and I remember off the ice. And yep. you know, but yep. that, my point is, is that there's so few and far between. But yet here, you here we are with three in one season. I mean, what are they, they just well, cutting Richard, the skate sharper? Richard, I mean, what's going on here? Well, remember Richard Zednick too. Richard Zednick has had a similar issue. He got oh, he got yeah, clipped. That's right. When he played for the Panthers. Remember that? He, yeah. he got cut in uh, cut on the neck. Yes, that's. Oh wow, I forgot about that. That was scary. Remember, and he had, and he rushed himself off the ice. Yep. That was, uh, you know, and then obviously everybody remembers Clint Malarchuk back in the day. But that was a goaltender. He was, he well, was, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was he was, on that his was knees. literally horror on ice, man. I mean, I mean, you remember the pool of blood that was on the ice? Mean, that was, was too. that was terrifying. Go, go back and watch Zednik. It's almost as bad as Malarchuk, if not worse. Wow. It's bad. Wow. Zednik is really, really bad yeah. when he was with the Panthers. Yeah. I remember seeing it. and I'm like, how is this guy even alive? Yeah, well, thank God it it all worked out. But again, it's just it's just so odd that you have the same team with three of those freak injuries in the same season, and, and with a very you know constant within a concentrated amount of time too. It's just completely strange. But thankfully, uh, you know, none of them ended up as bad as they could have been. They're all all right, you know, in the grand agreed. scheme. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. All right, so we can start rattling off some names on this team. Uh, we we'll get into the games in a little bit. Um, you know, in fact, you know what, pal, why don't we just break real quick and then when we come back, we'll start talking about some, some particular names, maybe some guys that are making us a little unhappy, a little happy, and now uh, we'll go through and then we'll start uh, talking about the game. Sound good, pal? Sounds good to me, bud. All right, folks. Well, we appreciate you tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can always tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at HockeyNightNY.com, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large from our studios right here on Long Island, hosted by Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Tune in weekly during the season Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time for insights on the team, great special guests, and commentary on all the happenings around the league. If you happen to miss us live, all shows can be streamed or downloaded 24 hours a day, seven days a week at the same address, HockeyNightNY.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, where you can subscribe and never miss a show, no matter what your preferred platform. Question for the guys? Comments? Interested in the sponsorship? Please contact us at HockeyNightNewYork at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. We appreciate all the support, and as always, let's go Islanders.
Love repping your favorite Long Island hockey team? Can't get enough orange and blue swag? Look no further than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and yes, even pajamas. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HockeyNightNY for 10% off your order. That's YesMenOutfitters.com. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Tony, did you have a nice break? I did. I had a very nice break. Did you have a nice break? <laughs> I had a nice break. You know, I collected my thoughts. Uh, it was very zen for me. I feel much better. So let's uh, let's kick it off, pal. Let's get back into it. And let's talk about some of the... Um, well, perpetrators of this uh, six-game losing streak that the Islanders are on. A couple guys I want to talk about. Not all bad. Not all bad. But first guy I want to start with, and he, he, um, he's been a villain for, for a lot of fans of this team ever since he, he showed up. So he's, he's finally getting his reckoning here with Hockey Night New York because we've been pretty, I would say, easy on him, you know, identifying his role. And, you know, in the grand scheme, we thought, you know, he, he serves a purpose on this team, and he still does, but... You know, uh, just this last couple of games, he, he has stood out for me, and, and I figured we'd have to mention him, and that is none other than number 47, Leo Komarov. Now, again, you have to understand his role. It's limited, and there's only so many things you can really come to expect from this guy. But the problem is, when he is not doing those things and he's making himself noticeable for the wrong reasons, which I feel like he has, particularly in these past few games, you got to call him out on it, right? Because it's not mm-hmm. – you have the team gripping the sticks as tight as they are. They're having so much trouble finishing. And, you know, they've just – look, they, they're just dying to, to get some wins here, you know, whether it's by a goal or in, in overtime in a shootout. Look, we all would have taken a shootout win yesterday, right, if, if it came to that. Because they're just so desperate for points now because of the situation that they find them in. But then when you have guys like Komarov who play a limited amount of time and, you know, just get out there, do your job, get off the ice, not get out there – give the puck away, take a stupid penalty, and essentially lead to some goals again. So this is this is a reckoning for this man. Uh, what say you, Tony Stabile? Look, I, I've always I've always liked the idea of Tom being on this team. Um, I think that there he has a lot of value that doesn't translate on the ice. Um, you know, he is you know very you know a high Praise of him from Barry and from Lou. Um, they rely on him for, the, for his stuff in the locker room. They rely on him for keeping the room light and trying to keep the guys focused, and you know, and and, uh, and the humor that he brings along to try to keep everybody loose and so on and so forth. But I, I, I it's hard to defend some of the things that have been going on. 
with him out there. Again, I don't know if it's because the team is, is playing as bad as it is. And now these, these errors are, you know, more glaring, uh, you know, if they're winning and he makes a mistake, it's like, all right, well, they won a game, so what does it matter? Or whatever the case may be. Yeah, but, no, this know, is this I, is team wide. It's certainly not like the rest of the team is playing great and he's costing this team wins. No, it's definitely right. team wide, no. but just particularly this week in general. So I, I think I'm kind of hinting at what you guys may hear later on in the show <laughs> coming from my end, but I just feel like he has had in games that have been this tight. You know, like like the game against Carolina, the game against Ottawa, where they got a shot to win, and uh, and of course, many would argue they should have won that game against Ottawa, looking at the standings and whatnot. But when you're just yes. desperate for points, when you're just desperate to get back, you know, into a winning environment, build confidence for everybody. Maybe you know, instead of that puck ricocheting off the post, it's going in the net. It's just it, it's just unfortunately it puts a bigger spotlight on guys like him when when they're making these mistakes, you know what I mean? And it, and it's tough because look, you know, Barry can only, you know, use the guys that he has at his disposal and when some guys aren't going, he, he's got to give other guys a shot and then you get Komarov getting in there and unfortunately he's he's been noticeable for the wrong reasons lately. Yeah, I mean and and you know, he did not play very much against against Carolina. Uh he didn't um he didn't play in the Ottawa game. Um, Montreal, he was a minus three in 10.56 of ice time. He only played eight minutes and 31 seconds against Carolina. Took four minutes in penalties. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not good. I mean, it, it really isn't. <laughs> and, you know, you're paying all this money to a guy who's, you know, essentially in his last five games hasn't played more than, hasn't played 11 minutes in a game. You know, you, you, you know, you have people who are wondering why the guy's here to begin with. And it's going to be hard to kind of, you know, to justify the fact of having a guy make a four and a half million dollars on your roster, you know, or, you know, and, and he's only, he's not playing 11 minutes a night. And, you know, he's what minus three, four, five, six, he's minus seven in his last five games. And that's not, that's not good, bro. It's just not good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, you know, this is how it works, right? The, the team, you know, goes on a stretch of losses and you start to play the game, blame game, right? You start pointing some fingers. And, and look, I'm not saying the guy needs to be passed through waivers now. I'm sure there's some fans on, on the listening end of this that are <laughs> thinking that they should, but... Oh, there's no question. We know that. that. We know that. We see it all the time. You know, not not only him, but Dal Cole. And, and, you know, you've been rough on Dal Cole, too. And I get that, but... I don't think anybody's really been expecting Michael Dal Cole to score any goals for a while now. I think we've all just kind of come to accept the fact that that's not what he's going to do for this team. And, you know, you do you do make a point by saying, look, as a third-line winger, he should be doing more. And I agree with you that if you're going to have a guy in that spot, you're going to want to get more out of him offensively. And it's really not there. The only silver lining I'll give him is that he has been pretty good on the other end of the puck. He hasn't been so much a liability on the defensive side. It's just, you know, it's funny. I think I've tweeted about it, but I know I've said to some buddies watching these games, and I feel like, you know, whenever he gets the puck and he gets a good opportunity, it's it's like there's a magnet that just shows up in the puck and it goes right into the goalie's chest. He just always finds a way to shoot it right into the goaltender. And it's, it yeah, amazes me. Yeah, it's called me. the Andy Hilbert syndrome. Well, <laughs> Hilbert Hilbert used to miss miss the net outright from like three feet away. <laughs> Dal Cole's at least putting them on net, but every time, every time they are going right into the goalie's chest. There's pads, and they get you know they get sucked in, and, and you know they're they're held onto. He's not even creating rebounds. Like he's just 
It's just it's crazy. It, it seems like he's shooting the puck into the absolute worst possible spot every time. Because again, not even getting rebounds. If it's not going the net, it's still getting gobbled up, and he he's getting left with nothing. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, you know that that to me just sounds like a guy who's happy to get a shot off instead of you know maybe feeling a little more confident picking his spots. Because if he felt good about the way he was shooting. He'd be taking that extra half a second to look at the corners and look at what might be exposed by the goaltender. But I think he's just happy enough to get a, get a shot off. And the shame about that is, is you look at all the goals that he racked up in juniors, and we we, we kind of saw the, the resume he was building up there for the job we thought he was going to have here with the Islanders, and it just has not translated. And, you know, I mean, does that mean all hope is lost? I mean, I know we've we've definitely been down on him before as far as that goes, but... You know, it's just not happening. That's that's the bottom line. He's almost 24 years old, okay? But if you look at his stats, you know, as a 17-year-old with Oshawa, scored 39 goals in 67 games, he had 95 points. As an 18-year-old, he had 42 goals and 93 points. And then he went from Oshawa to Kingston. He had 35 goals in 60 games the following season. He scored 15, 7, and 18 goals in the American Hockey League before he came up. And since he's been up, with the with the big club, he has scored scored a grand total of seven goals in eighty five games. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I think at twenty four years old and after eighty five games of NHL experience, I think that we pretty much know what we're going to be getting out of Michael Dalcol and the goals and and uh, you know an offense is not going to be part of it. Right? Yeah, I know. I think that's that may just be the the reality that. You know, we we may have to. You know, we may be stuck with here. And, and look, if if the Isles had a, went out and got, gotten another forward at the trade deadline, maybe a guy who could score that you can plug on the second line. You know, that probably drops somebody else down to the third, and then you have Dal Cole in the press box. You know, um, is there going to be a spot yeah. on, the, on the roster for him next year? That obviously remains to be seen. It might remain to be seen for a couple guys in this team now with the way they've been playing, like you alluded to earlier. But you know. Look, it, that third line is, you know, had been a, a bit of a black hole for the, the majority of the season with, you know, you just had guy, different guys getting plugged in there, particularly at center. We've talked about that ad nauseum. The good news is Pajot is there, and he's he's there for the long term. And, you know, even though we joke about the fact that they haven't won a game with him in the lineup yet, he's obviously going to stabilize that position for, for a long time now, which is great. It's just a matter of, you know, having the right guys now on the, on the wing so they can flank these guys and, you know, put a little more, uh, you know, scoring out there. And who knows, maybe as as Pajot further acclimates himself here, maybe we see a little more offense from that third line. Maybe he kind of sparks some of these guys that are playing on his wing. You know, I mean, it's it's funny because you, you look at all these trade deadline acquisitions and, and what's what's usually the story you hear, you know, even when guys, you know, teams go out and get the, the top guys at the deadline, you hear that they don't they don't don't end up doing too much, you know, or at least it takes them a little while to really accl- acclimate themselves with their new teams and, and make some noise, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, you, you can, you can say what you want about, um, about Pajot. I mean, he has minus six, you know, minus five of that obviously came in one game against Montreal it was a bad game. Um, <laughs> that team played absolutely terrible in that game. There's no, there's no way to, uh, there's no way around it. So I think that he would tell you that he liked that, that game back. But if you look at his other games, I mean, you know, he's out there, he's playing 18, 19, 20 minutes a game in pretty much every game. Um, you know, he had the goal at St. Louis. He had the big goal against the Rangers. So, I mean, he, he's, you know, I think he's been at a, as advertised. And if you throw out the Montreal game, it really isn't as bad as it, you know, as, as the numbers look. No, I'm, so I'm, look, the guy I'm happy played. with with the fact that he's on this team, and I'm happy with the way he's played so far. Don't, you know, definitely uh, yeah. make no mistake about that. 
yes, and I think that he's going to be a tremendous, uh, you know, a tremendous addition going forward. But you know, there there are some some things that have to happen. I mean, you have you have a guy like this, you know, centering your third line. You know, you need to put guys on there that can actually, you know, put the puck in the net. So, you know, that's that's going to have to, you know, you can't be saddling them with guys like I said, like in Komarov and. And uh, I, know, I know Leo's been playing on the fourth line, but you can't be putting Kamarov and Del Cole on this kid's line because you're going to waste a guy who obviously has the potential to score 25, 27 goals in his league. He's got 26 to this point. So 15 points, uh, you know, um, he's got 10 points on the power play. He's got six shorthanded points. He's got five game-winning goals. The guy has the ability to put the puck in the net. So you can't saddle him with guys who, who uh, you know, aren't able to play offense. Andrew Ladd has been on that line a little bit now. You know, he's come back. He's played a couple of, you know, he played a game the other day. You know, this is, they need to, they need to get this thing settled settled in in the offseason, I believe, because, you know, you have too many guys on the team now. You don't have the offensive firepower on the first two lines that you can have. You can carry guys that are only scoring three and four goals, uh, you know, on the bottom two, on the bottom six. Right, right, for sure. And you you mentioned Sezikis and Boychuk earlier. They're taking this West Coast trip. I don't know if that means they're going to get into any games, but I guess it is encouraging that at least they will be making the trip. Maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. I mean, I saw that picture, what was it, uh, a day or two ago of, of Boychuk, and, I mean, the guy's eyes was I was just closed over. I don't know if he's going to be getting into a game anytime soon. I can't imagine that Johnny's going to get into a game anytime soon. I, I, I just I just can't. That's, that's first and foremost. And, I, look, I told you, Right after Sezikis was hurt, I actually I ran into him uh, uh, and I, he looked terrible. You know, he yeah, wasn't moving around well at all. You know, I you know it's, that's you know he wasn't moving well at all. And I told you, I believe right after I saw him, I think I texted you that night and I said, if Casey's back in three to four weeks, I'll be shocked. And as right. it is, as as it's happening, you know, he's not he's not coming back yet. So and it's already been what this is the fourth week, isn't it? Uh, perhaps I don't have the timeline in front of me, but it feels that way. It's probably right around that yeah, area, three so, to four weeks. Yeah, right. So I mean, it's you know, it, this is you know, look, I, look, this is the time of year where injuries are a problem. Yes, you know, we talked about this at you know a lot last year that they you know the Islanders really were a, were a pretty healthy team throughout last year, and it seems like all of the injuries that they didn't get last year are all happening this year. So, but you know, they have enough. They have enough enough depth that they should be able to weather the storm like some other teams that are at the same, you know, that are in the same positions as them have been able to do for the entire season. And right. they have not, they have not done that. In the last three weeks, it has been very evident that, you know, that this, that this is a team that, you know, that needs, that needs to get themselves, you know, this shit right. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't matter whether they make the playoffs because they're not going to go anywhere once they get in any. Right, because if you're limping into the playoffs, it's it's going to be a quick one and out, you know. But just to clarify right. the Sezikis timeline, his last game was February 11th against the Flyers, and that was just a 53 seconds. He had two shifts, the injury happened, he was gone. So, yeah, you're right in the money. It's basically right. been a month, but he's, he's on the trip. Out. Yeah, he's still out, but who knows? Maybe, maybe we see him play against one of these Western Canadian teams before uh, all is said and done. Now, the last guys I want to speak of before we get into these game recaps – is the goaltending, and people starting to get on the guys, both Farlamov and Grice, and look, there there has been some inconsistency, and we have kind of had that, you know, chicken or the egg discussion, whether it's, is it the goalies, is it the team in front of them, and while I am not letting these guys off the hook, 
you know, after after all the talk we've just had about how the team in front of them have been playing, again, the turnovers, the the mental gaps, and, you know, just the, the even just some of the lackadaisical play. I mean, you talk about yesterday. It took them half the game just to show up against the Canes yesterday. You know, we you had yep. to wait for Pollock to put that first goal in before they even looked like they, you know, are, were looking to get two points out of the game, which is just dumbfounding to me because you you see the position that they're in. You see that. You know they're they're literally just hanging on to a playoff spot for dear life right now, and and that's the sort of effort that they, team that they put you out of the play. And it's and it's a team that knocked you out of the playoffs, right? Play, right, know? exactly. It's not like they're playing the Kings out in you know the in out in L.A. or you know any any Western Conference team at the bottom of the standings. You don't care about. Them. I mean, they're playing against a team that they are in direct competition with, and there's just no hunger there. So you know you can get on Grice and Varlama for letting up the you know the softy here or there, but like if you look at these games that they've been losing, and you look at some of those goals that you might say you know they should have had. I mean, you look at the turnovers that happened right before them, or just the the brain farts, the the failure to clear. I mean, I don't know how many times, even just you know looking over the games this past week, how they have an opportunity to get the puck out of the zone, clear the blue line. And it ends up on a defenseman's stick at the point. Either either they're just ripping a shot that ends up going through a screen pass one of these guys, or it's getting deflected, or it's leading to a rebound that's going into the net. I mean, there's just been so many mishaps on the part of, of the players in front of them where it's hard for me to just, you know, be lazy and point the finger at guys like Varlamov and Grice and say, oh, yeah, you know, they're not playing that great. They're not playing as good as last year. Well, we missed Leonard, we missed Leonard. Like, I feel like you got to cut them a little bit of slack here. Yeah, maybe they're not making as many of those, um, you know, game-saving saves that you that you like to see. And and you know what, they they both have stepped up and done that as well. And the teams, the team in front of them, not only has to protect them better, but the team is not finishing. They're not scoring goals. You know, they they could have won a, a decent amount of these games that they've lost. I mean, you look at the way they they've come out in some of these games where they've dominated the first period, maybe first period and a half, and they and they come up empty. I mean, look no further than that game against the Rangers last week. I mean, they blew the doors off the Rangers in the beginning of that game, but they just couldn't finish. And it's just been coming back to bite them because, you know, they 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 have some good offensive zone time. They're putting pressure on in the zone. And then as soon as the puck goes the other way, it's in the back of the net. <laughs> or, the, you know, the right. giveaway, turnover, whatever. So, you know, if you want to get on the goalies, fine. I'm not going to stop you, you know. But I, I feel like, it. you know, you have to look a little bit more at the team in front of these guys. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, can't, I can't really blame. I mean, have they, been, have they been lights out? No, they haven't been lights out. But honestly, the team in front of them has been play, the play The play in front of them has been so poor. That I, I really I have a hard time blaming either one of these guys. I know that Bryce hasn't had a you know an outstanding game in quite some time, but let's be honest. I mean, this is a different team that's playing in front of them that was playing early on in right. the year or last year. So I can't I can't really I can't really blame them at all. Even the softy that they've given up now and again because you know they they've just not they they're not they're not playing behind the same team that they were earlier on or what they're accustomed to. So I, 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 I really can't, I can't, I can't lay the blame on, on either one of them at this point. Okay, fair enough. So we agree. And now we can move on and look at these games a little more uh, in depth. And we can start with that great game that they had <laughs> against the Canadians on Tuesday. Just an awful. Oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's. Let's dive into that one, shall we? <laughs> Let's dive into that. We'll, we'll, we'll try to make it as quick and painless as possible. But just an awful effort. I mean, look, 
you, you spot a team that's out on the outside looking into the playoffs. They've been out of the picture for a while now. Again, another team in this schedule that the Islanders should have been able to look at the calendar and be like, that's that's got to be a win. That's got to be two points, especially home. You, you, you know, you talk about how how good the Islanders have been in their own buildings, and, you know, they, they lay an absolute egg against this team. Again, they spot them a 3 nothing lead in the first period, becomes 4 nothing in the second. And, of course, now I don't know if this is uh, how you pronounce the guy's name. Charles Houdon or Hudden? He gets his first goal of the yeah. season, of course. It <laughs> right? always happens. Always happens. Yeah. Yeah, if it's not first of the season, it's first It's first goal in 58 games. First of their career. First of the career. It happens. Grandmother passed away. <laughs> some, some shit like that always happens. Always happens. So despite the fact that the team won 65% of their faceoff, they didn't take any penalties. They stayed out of the box probably because they didn't show up with any fight. And, you know, they end up losing the game. And, and even worse, they, they lose Johnny Boychuk to that freak injury. So just a, a real bad night all around for these guys. Yeah, it's it, I, I, there's, there's really there's not really much you could even say about this game. They, right. they were they, they they there was no there was no pushback whatsoever. Montreal has been you know a team that's been mired in a, in a worse slump than the Islanders have for the for the basically for the duration of the season, and they just they did nothing. You know there was you know Anders Lee had the fight in the first period, and that was about the only fight that you saw out of this team. They were outshot twenty seven twenty two. You know, it just you know, it's 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 not good. But at that point, in ten games, they were two six and two in their in their previous ten games, you know, including that game in their previous ten. So, you know, and it only and and after that game, you know, you're thinking like, okay, well, th- you can't get any worse. You know, they just <laughs> lost to a team that's not even in a playoff spot. You got Ottawa coming up on Friday, was considered you know Thursday, which is supposed to be one of the you know one of the worst teams in the NHL. So, you know, I mean, how you know how, how much worse can it get? Well, they decided to share how much worse they could get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you move on to Thursday. <laughs> Another team outside looking in. They just traded half their team away <laughs> at the trade deadline, essentially. To us, no less. Right. Right. They they get rid of one of their top guys, top performing players, send him over to the Islanders. And, you know, this is obviously a big game for Pajot. It's his first game against his former team. He's going to want to get the win. And look. It starts off good. You know, they get that uh, early power play goal from Anders Lee. They have multiple leads. They go up one nothing. They go up 2-1. to one. Barzell puts a puck in the net, which is nice to see. Nice little shot from the yeah, slot. Sir. And things are looking pretty good. And, and then again, it's just another case of not being able to seal the deal. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of games like that lately where even when they come out to a lead, they can't. Uh, they just don't find that killer instinct, and you know there's been games where they go into a shell, which really is kind of out of character. And another game where they they let a team creep back into it. You know whether again it's it's a mistake, it's a gaff, and you know look they put forty shots up on the board, they still can't get it done. They drop drop another game in regulation to a team that they should be beating in the Ottawa Senators, even though the game was up in Ottawa. Yeah, and the game's up in Ottawa. They're up two to one. They're on a power play, and I think this was the Devontae's uh, giveaway. Um, Michael Bodker, his second goal of the year, uh, ties the game at two at the, at the at the halfway point of the game at the ten minute mark of the second period. Uh, tied the game up, and then four minutes later, Anthony Duclair, guy who's you know basically was you know released, I think, from a couple of different organizations, scored his twenty third goal. Um, puts Ottawa up three two. Brady Kachuk late in the third, late in the third period, puts him up four two. 
on an unassisted goal. And then Ryan Pollock gets him close with two minutes to go. But that's, you know, I mean, look, bro. I mean, this was this was out of his 24th win of the season after this game. And, uh, you know, I mean, you can't, you're a playoff team. You know, you're supposed to be at the top of the, you know, the top of your division. You know, one of the teams at the top of the conference. And you can't be losing a game that you're up two to one. Um, and, and give up a shorthanded goal like that to tie the game. And then a couple of minutes later, you give up the lead altogether. So that's, uh, that's just, just a poor, another, you know, I, I thought the Montreal game was bad. This was, this was even worse. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, fans have been, uh, you know, and rightfully so have been on the power play lately, you know, getting on them and, you know, they get goals in back to back games on the power play. They had one against Montreal. They had one against Ottawa and they were both negated, by shorties. Now, granted, Montreal's was an empty net at the end of the game, but you know you get a power play goal in each game. But of course, they give up a shorty in, in each game. It's like <laughs> it's just like you know they can't win. You know, yep. so yep. F- fast forward now to yesterday's matinee against the Carolina Hurricanes. Again, we already started talking about it a little bit, and it's a big game. You know, they, obviously they're they're fighting for this this playoff position. But, but Tony, you had said you had a lot to say about this one, so I'm going to let you take it away here. Okay. Um, <laughs> Come on, pal. Let's go. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna preface this by I'm gonna apologize in advance if I start to get a little heated, or uh, if I lose my patience. But but this is this 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 game really got in my craw. Um, Tell us, Tony. So share. So so they they, they you know they, they basically you know they basically no show against the, the Canes for the first two periods. Uh, Pollock gets the goal in the second beautiful goal is 10th of the season. Nice. You know, Joel Edmondson, who is not known for his offense, he scores early in the third period to give Carolina the lead. Josh Bailey, who I, like I said before. And that Edmondson goal was another one of those goals that result from the Islanders going down in a rush. They were playing well. They had the momentum. And the mm-hmm. first line goes down. They have a chance. They can't finish. Puck goes the other way. And, uh, I mean, look, the, the Canes made a good play. I think it was Tara Vinen who made the nice pass. Um, yeah. Back pass before before yeah. the goal, the puck ends up ultimately, you know, ricocheting right onto Edmondson's stick, before, you know, for the open net. But again, just another example of the uh, the Islanders' offense not finishing, leading to a, a really, uh, really back breaking goal against. Right, exactly, and that was what it was. And until the fifteen oh two mark, when Josh Bailey tied the game, uh, got the, it was a rebound off of a Noah Dobson shot. Um, Dobson and, and Andy Green, another uh, offensive dynamo, uh, get the assist, and the game is tied at two, going into overtime. Right. So now let's talk about let's talk about overtime. Let's talk okay? about overtime. Because this is this is where this is where my major issue goes is with this game, and uh, so I I to be to be honest, I didn't want I wasn't watching this live. Um, I went back and watched it after the fact. Okay, but. The the play in which Carolina won this game was a complete <laughs> shit show. Okay, first of all, first of all, the the fact that the the referees on the ice did not call down the play after the high stick, and I don't give a I don't give a shit. What the NHL NHL says about oh if he had been standing up straight the the, the stick would that's bullshit that puck was up, it would have Scott Mayfield is six foot four that puck was over his head 
So what is Svechnikov? Seven feet tall? Like that's ridiculous. And, that and not for nothing, he, he really shoulder. wasn't bent over. I mean, barely. I mean, you he wasn't. I, he wasn't. You, you can't even call that slumped over. Nothing. No. 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 So okay. So that's the first thing. So they don't call it on the ice, right? So he hits it. It hits the post. It bounces to Trocheck. The second that Trocheck touches that puck, it is a dead play. He knocks it down with a high stick. So they don't call it. He takes the shot on net. It ends up in the net. Yeah. Fine. They're going to go to review. Okay, so now they're definitely going to get this right in review. Right. You could see clearly that he knocks it down with a high stick. They look at the play. They look at the play. No, good goal. Are you? <laughs> okay. Look, all you need to look at is the video of Brindamore, right? right? When he's, yeah. he's looking at it on the fucking iPad right oh, there, look looking at, at it on the iPad, right? And he's looking at it and turns around. And he was like, oh, okay, I guess we won. Like, he was as shocked as everybody else was. Because it was the most ridiculous call that I've, I've seen. I, and we have seen some ridiculous calls this year. But give me a break, bro. I mean, the play, it was knocked down with the high stick. And then they're trying to say, well, as soon as it hits the crossbar, that the play is negated. Are you serious? If you hit it with a high stick and it hits the glass and then it goes to another player on the same team, the play is whistled dead. So why is the goalpost a difference than, than knocking it down with the ice, the, the, the boards, the glass? It's a, they don't even know their own fucking rules. It's ridiculous. It is a ridiculous play. And two teams that are fighting for the same playoff spot are in overtime, and they can't get the goddamn play right. Yeah, you know, I got to say, it, it does seem like in recent history here, the Islanders have been, you know, victims of some very questionable calls. And that's, at least for me, that's going back to that interference call, or, you know, air quotes, interference call against Andrews Lee in that game against the Rangers, which, again, was another pivotal. Which was pivotal. another bullshit call. Yeah, that is definitely one way to put it. Um, so I'm, I'm with you, and, and I actually I looked at it again today because, you know, last night I was kind of arguing about, you know, you see that you see that not only the, the still frame but the clip in slow motion of when the camera's behind Svechnikov. I mean, it looks pretty clear as day that that puck is, is you know, well over his head. The stick is over his head. Uh, when he makes contact with it, and even the the downward trajectory that the puck has to take to hit the crossbar, yeah. it doesn't go across; yeah. it goes downwards. But you no. know, I say maybe, maybe I need to see this again from another angle because look, maybe his, his stick was maybe extended forward more, not so much high. You know, I, you know, optics can kind of play with you, perspective can play with you a little bit in that way. So I was like, let me look at this again. So I, I watched the replay, and I got to see a slow motion of of the opposite angle where. It, you know, it shows the the front side of Svechnikov. And now I played it quickly at first, and I was like, oh, wow, maybe maybe they got this call right. I said, you know, this might be good. This might be a good call to my complete surprise. But then I did the whole, you know, pause play thing. <laughs> I did my own, like, uh, you know, manual slow motion. And I was able mm-hmm. to pause it right at the moment where the stick makes contact with the puck. And maybe it doesn't look as blatant as it does from the backside review, but it's still very clearly above shoulder length. Now, look, the fact that I had to do the manual slow-mo just to see that it was the the right call, or sorry, the wrong call, I should say, and that was the angle that I believe the, the referee on the play had. Um, look, I don't necessarily blame them getting the call wrong in real time. We know how fast this game is. We know how quickly these things can happen. 
And look, they're human beings. They're going to get these calls wrong every now and then. But, you know, what the hell is the point of having instant replay if you can break these things down clear as day, right? Toronto's got, you know, 11,000 monitors in the room. They can, you know, slow-mo it. They can put look at it at different angles. And it's pretty obvious that this puck is over and his stick are over his shoulders. And, you know, it just makes you wonder. They still get the call wrong. And is that out of support for their referees? I mean, you could certainly, you know, throw some curiosity in there and say maybe that's what's going on here. But it's just it's just tough because, again, when you have a team that's struggling as much as they are, and on top of that, they're also just not getting the breaks, it makes it all the more frustrating. Now, here's what I'll say to that. It sucks, and it, it sucks that it even came down to it. But the bottom line is, and I know this is a cliche and a lot of people say it, you know, you make your own luck. But in a sense, part of that is true. I mean, these these Islanders should be performing at a better clip here where they shouldn't even be in position where they're desperate to get these, you know, instant replay calls right. They should already be winning these games. They should be scoring more goals. They should be playing more responsible in their own zone. Then you can shrug off these non-calls, you know? I mean, look, if if the Islanders are given better efforts in these games and then and you know, and they're getting the shaft, now maybe you can say that in the Ranger game, right? With the, the bad call against Lee, that leaves a bad taste in your mouth because they did play such a good game. You know, for the most part, right? But you look at yesterday's game and they take half the night, half the day to show up and then they end up losing in overtime. To couple that with an irresponsible, you know, double minor to Matt Barzell, you know, they have the momentum. They, 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 they're going into overtime. They would have been going into overtime with a power play if he didn't, you know, launch a stick into this guy's face and draw blood, you know? So they, they kind of had the game on their stick there. And then that happens, and 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 then you have the, the, this play where every you know everybody's just desperate for them to for the call to go the right way, and they end up losing the game. But it shouldn't come down to that, Tony. I listen. If you, you know, we can we can talk, and we have talked for the last hour and ten minutes about how this team has put themselves in this hole and whatnot, and by playing the way that they have. But yes. They should be playing better. Yes, they should not have been even in overtime. They should have, you know, been able to, you know, to put the puck in the net against the guy who's been playing in the AHL pretty much Thank for the you. entire season. Yes. Okay. So yes, I agree with you a thousand percent. But that doesn't make that doesn't make it like you know like well if they had played better they would have never got to this point. This kind of shit has happened more and more times. Yes, and, and the league should goals, get the calls right. But this is the problem that I have with the NHL is that they have all of this technology, quote unquote, I'm using my quotey fingers here. They have all of <laughs> this technology fingers. and they cannot figure this shit out. They yeah. cannot figure it out. They, they don't know when to, they don't know when to review calls. They don't get the calls right that they do review the, the, the rules. The referees seem to have different set of rules than the, than the people in Toronto do. Yeah. It, 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 it is Sometimes just, it does it, feel very chaotic for sure. Uh, bro, if it's if you need any example of how how the NHL has doesn't understand their own, you know, when they're when they have a problem or when they need to fix something, okay, if, if you don't need that, look at the situation with their e-bugs, okay, with their emergency goaltenders. They see the situation where what happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago, which was well, a fantastic story. We all said we all heard about <laughs> right, it. We all yeah. said it, thought it was great. Yeah. Okay. 
Then they have the general managers meeting a few weeks ago, and they say, ah, you know what? It's okay that we use the Zamboni driver to play as a <laughs> right. third goaltender. You know, let's right. just leave this shit alone. Everything seems to be perfectly fine. Yeah. Like, really? Really? A professional sports team? Can you imagine, like, you know, like English soccer? Or can you imagine that they, 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 they grabbed the fucking groundskeeper uh, in, in, a, in a game, uh, an NFL game, and said, well, we don't have any more punters. So uh, well, get yourself, you know, put your put your rake down and, uh, you know, put some cleats on and get out there and punt the ball. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> no, you, you make a good point. You make a good point. And you, when you see all this stuff grouped together in a short span of time, and it makes you question it. I get it, pal. I get it. And, and you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, whether the Islanders should have been in that position or not, you know, you would like the league to make the right call, especially in such a critical game and, and when with big points are on the line. Because, look, if the Islanders come out of that game with a win, you know, they they still a point ahead of, of Carolina and Columbus, and they're only four behind Pittsburgh, who, by the way, also having their own set of struggles here. They've only won two oh, out of their last ten games. So, yeah, they got smoked today. Yeah, they got they got destroyed by the Canes today. So, look, I, I mean, again, if, if, if you're trying to look for a little bit of silver lining here, you know, in the, in the Islanders' struggles. Look at a team like Pittsburgh. I mean, we kind of thought that they were going to be running away with the 1-2 spot with, with Washington, and I still don't know what the hell is going on in Philadelphia. I mean, they've won nine straight, I think. That's just unbelievable. Well, they, they, have been, they have been unbelievable, bro. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's crazy. They came out of nowhere. I mean, we weren't even sure if they were going to make the playoffs, to be honest. And here here we are. But, I mean, Well, they look. got a goaltender. That's that's been the thing that they've missed the most. They've right. got their goaltender now. Yeah, exactly. You know, Carter Hart has been phenomenal there. Yeah. So, but, you know, you look at Pittsburgh and and, and teams good. I've said this before. Good teams go through these sorts of struggles. It's not just the Islanders. Look, the timing is awful. The way they've been playing hasn't been promising. The only the only thing, you know, that we really have left and that we can hang on to here is we know that this team is capable of more. They're capable of, of, of better. You just got to hope that they can turn around and, and find that game again. It's it's taken much longer than any of us would like. There's there's no question about it. And and I can't really fault anyone for, you know, starting to look a little, you know, negatively on the way the season's going to end. I mean, look, the, the sample size is, is large now. There's there's no arguing it. So I'm not going to sit here and, and, and tell everybody that, you know, everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows by the time, you know, game 82 is over. But... You know, the only thing I can I can really you know leave people with as far as that's that goes is that we know that this team is capable of more. You know, and and hopefully they're definitely capable. They of absolutely are. and luckily and luckily, other than the other than Philadelphia, every team around them is playing just as poorly as they are. To be honest with you, because you know Columbus is two four and four in their last ten. Carolina's four four and two, even though, even though they they're on a, a two game winning streak, but they had been on a little bit of a rough stretch. Pittsburgh, like you said, two two ten two eight zero in their last ten. They've lost their last two. Washington four four and two in their last ten. So, I mean, other than Philadelphia, I mean, and the Rangers are six and four, and they're uh, three points back. Uh, the Islanders have a game in hand on them. Right. Other than that, everybody else has been playing five hundred or worse uh, over the course. Unless, and then of course New Jersey, who has now a resurgent Corey Schneider and has won six of their last ten games. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're playing with nothing to lose, so I mean, good for them, but. You know, I mean, if anything, they're just going to steal points. I mean, the, I know the Islanders have at least uh, two left against them, maybe three. But I know, uh, well, either their last game or their second to last game is, is against the Devils. And they have one coming up, I believe, what is it, next weekend? I know they have a game against them this month. Let me uh, let me check out the schedule. Uh, I got the schedule right here. I'll bring it they, The 21st. The, the 21st, they are in Jersey. That's a Saturday. I actually might try to go to that game. But, yeah, so they, they, got, them, they got them on the 21st. 
And then, like I said, yep. I, I believe their final game of the season. Yep, their they're, they're closing game, April 4th. That will be at the Coliseum against the Devils. So they see yep. they see the Devils twice, and it'll probably be with a, like you said, a, a reemerged Corey Schneider. So, of course, of course that's going to happen. But, but, mm-hmm. but, yeah, look, it's, it's, uh, they, they can do it, but they really just got to figure it out. And it's, it's, I think it's all in their heads. I, I think I really do. I mean, they just got to calm the fuck down. I mean, look, you've dropped enough F bombs as it is, so I might as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I want to apologize. <laughs> I, I know I got a little bit crazy there, but I mean, this is, this is really, I've been stewing about this for, you know, for the last day and a half now. So you're, you're a passionate man, Tony, and sometimes you just got to look yeah. around. So it's all right. Yeah. So, but with that, yeah, pal, I appreciate it. <laughs> why don't we, why don't we break one more time? We'll come back with, with another zero of the week here. Uh, we'll quickly look at the games ahead and then we'll wrap this thing up. And, and we'll also, uh, we got a listener question from our good pal, Brian over at Isles Meetup. So we're going to address that too. Maybe we'll do a little Bridgeport report with Tony Stabile. And then we'll close it out. What do you say, pal? Sounds good to me. All right, folks. Once again, in case you forgot, you are listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. You can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at HockeyNightNY.com, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large from our studios right here on Long Island, hosted by Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Tune in weekly during the season Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time for insights on the team, great special guests, and commentary on all the happenings around the league. If you happen to miss us live, all shows can be streamed or downloaded 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at the same address, HockeyNightNY.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, where you can subscribe and never miss a show, no matter what your preferred platform. Question for the guys? Comments? Interested in the sponsorship? Please contact us at HockeyNightNewYork at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. We appreciate all the support, and as always, let's go Islanders. Love repping your favorite Long Island hockey team? Can't get enough orange and blue swag? Look no further than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and yes, even pajamas. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HockeyNightNY for 10% off your order. That's YesMenOutfitters.com. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. And unfortunately, folks, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the zero of the week. Because the Islanders, as we all know, underperformed, and they are riding a six-game losing streak, thanks in part to the three that they dropped this week. So without further ado, Tony Stabile, 
Let's get into the zero of the week. I mean, everybody pretty much knows who, who mine is already, so why don't you take it away here, pal? Tony Stabile, who or what is your zero of the week? Uh, I mean, bro, let's, let's be honest. I mean, when you're on a streak like this, losing 6-2 to two to, a, uh, to a team out of the playoffs in Montreal, to losing a game uh, to Ottawa 4-3 that they had to leave, and then, you know, not showing up for half the game against Carolina. I, I can't single out just one guy. So I'm just going to say <laughs> both freaking teams will deserve to be the zero of the week. These guys. All right. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm usually behind you, level-headed, try to be, you know, as, uh, you know, try to stay on the path as much as possible. But, it, you know, this is, this is this has been a really bad week. So that's my, uh, that's, that's my thing. This whole team deserves it. Well, Tony, that was actually my pick last week. So I guess we have some consistency there because I just, I was in the same boat. I couldn't single out any one guy. It was just, you know what? The whole team just playing like crap. So they all get to share the honor together. I wasn't going to do the same thing this week. So you already know mine, folks. I already let him have it a little bit here, and that is Leo Komarov. Again, you can only put so many expectations on this guy, but. When he is a liability on the ice, especially when they are clawing tooth and nail for these points, you got to call a guy out. So, folks, here, so he actually gets a zero twice <laughs> because you called the whole team and I called him individually. So, folks, your zeros of the week are the New York Islanders and especially <laughs> Leo Komarov. So, there you have it, folks. Your zero of the week. And let's just hope that with less than a month to go here, that that is the last zero of the week segment we have for the show. Because if it is not, that probably spells disaster for this team because they really can't afford to have any more weeks like these past two. Am I right, Tony? I agree. I agree. They can't afford to have another game like they had this past week. Let's put it let alone a week. Absolutely. So with that said, folks, let's just look at the week ahead real quick. And we'll start to wrap things up. So, as we alluded to earlier in the show, the Islands are going to pack their bags, get on the road. They are off again tomorrow, but then on Tuesday, they will go into beautiful Vancouver. I only, I can only say it's beautiful because other people have told me so. I still have yet to go, but I hear it is a wonderful city. But they will be playing the Canucks, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. This is a, a team who who is also kind of fighting for the playoffs' lives here. They're, they're bouncing back and forth in what's kind of a weak Pacific division. But it's funny. You look at these teams in, in Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton, all three teams at the Islands are going to be playing this week, and they've kind of taken over the guard for the Pacific division. It's transitioned from California to Western Canada. You got, you got Anaheim, you got San Jose, L.A., all in the basement now, essentially, and these teams are the ones stepping up and then holding on to all the playoff spots. So, Tony, real quick, talk a little bit about this matchup against Travis Green's Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I mean, listen, they, the, uh, you know, the Islanders have, um, have not fared well out, uh, out west recently. Um, or anywhere they, outside they of home. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, I think, yeah, I would say that's, that's probably the case. Anything, you know, even west of, uh, of the national Queens border recently has been not good. So, <laughs> right. um, but you know, look, Vancouver has played, has played well this year and they've especially played well at home. They're 21, eight and four at home. Uh, they're 35, 26 and six on the season. They are in the first wild card position out west 
which is uh, which is something I think people are a little, uh, a little probably a little surprised of. Um, you know, they 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 have they have some they have some nice talent on this team. They they played well. You know, you you know the names of Brock Baser and you know and um, you know their goaltending has been pretty solid with Jacob Markstrom. They made a great trade early on uh, last summer, rather for uh, for JT Miller. He's been phenomenal for them. He's got seventy one points in sixty seven games. Um, Elias Pettersson has been has been great since he's been drafted, um, and they got a great young uh, defenseman in Quinn Hughes, who's uh, he's, you know he's in the, the uh, he'll be in the he's in the talk for Rookie of the Year this year. He's got fifty two points in sixty six games, so you know they got some really good young guys on this team. Travis Green's done a really nice job with them, so you know, and they're going to go into a place where it's not easy to win. So it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting to see how the Islanders react in this game because they uh, they have not stepped up. Uh, recently in, in games like this. Yeah, look, I'm going to be very disappointed if they don't come out in this game like they did against the Rangers last week. I mean, they just got to blow the do- doors off of these guys. But, hey, why don't you put some pucks in the net while you're at it? I mean, they they got to get up ahead. They got to get up ahead, and they got to actually just hang on to a lead. I mean, and another thing, too, is, I mean, you know, it just seems like they're falling behind more often than not. I mean, there's just so many... Ways that this eye on the team has been shooting themselves in the foot, but but yes, you're right. They got to come out. Look, they got to play. They got to play like you know. Every every game is is you know going to be the difference between them getting in the playoffs or not. Because essentially, I mean, that's the case. They they they're they're compete competing with too many teams here for too few spots, and you know they 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 it would just be awful if they if they go out west and and you know lay in it. Because look, if they come back from this trip without. You know, a decent amount of points. I mean, I, I don't know what what else you can say about how this season's going to end. You know what I mean? I mean this 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 should be defining for them. They, they, you got to figure they got to take at least four or five points out of this out of this trip. I don't know if you agree there, pal. No, they have to. There's no question. If they don't, then they might as well just don't even come home because <laughs> that, yeah. that's that's it right there. I mean, this is you know they they cannot afford to fall behind any any further um, to the pack. So, you know, luckily, like I said, the other teams around them have not been playing all that well and they haven't fallen out, you know, haven't fallen that far behind. Right. But this is crunch time, man. So you, you can't, you, you know, going out to West, you know, going out to the West Coast or whatever, you want to be, you know, you want to be considered a top team. You want to be considered a, uh, you know, a team that's a, a perennial playoff contender, then you need to play like it, especially in this time of the year. So March is not a time to go into one of these swoons. And they've been playing for, they've been playing like this way too long. No doubt about it. And then we go into Thursday. You get a set of back-to-backs against the Albertan squads in the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. Both teams also holding down playoff spots right now in the West in the Pacific Division. You got Edmonton tied for first with the Vegas Golden Knights at 82 points and the Calgary Flames just three behind. The winners of th- uh, three straight games, 6-3-1 and one in their last 10 they got 79 points. I don't know if you wanted to lump these teams together or talk a little bit about Calgary. And I don't even know how Travis Hamannick's doing out there these days. I haven't checked in a while. But uh, old pal Travis Hamannick and his Calgary Flames. Yeah, Hamannick has been in and out of the lineup with uh, with an injury recently. But uh, he's got uh, 12 points in 50 games. He's only minus three. Listen, this is a good team. You know, Calgary's a good team. You know, Mackachuk is their top scorer, 61 points in 69 games. You know, Johnny Goudreau is uh, he's on a little bit of a down year, but he's been playing really well in the last, you know, month or two. Uh, he's got 58 points in 70 games. Elias Lindholm, that big trade that they made with Carolina when they got uh, – they, when they traded Dougie Hamilton, they got Lindholm and they got uh, – um, 
uh, who was the other kid that they got in that trade? It just, it just completely flew out of my head. Um, but Lindholm has got 29 goals and 54, 54 points in 70 games. Uh, Hannafin, Noah Hannafin's the other guy. Uh, another go. guy, 22 points in 10 games for him. Their goaltending has been a little bit of an issue there. David Riddich has not had the same season as he had last year. Talbot is their backup. Oh, he's got better numbers, but he's played less games than Riddich has. So, um, again, hard place to play. Calgary is a real tough place to play. And the Edmonton Oilers, look, do I have to say anything more than Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? Right. I mean, these guys no, are don't. these guys are un, they are unbelievable, the two of them. You know, Edmonton has got, you know, Dreisaitl has got more points than McDavid. He's got 110 points now, 43 goals, 67 assists. McDavid is 33 goals and 96 points in 63 games. He's played less games than Dreisaitl. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a guy, a number one, a former number one overall pick, a guy you kind of forget about. He's, he's got 60 points in 63 games. And uh, look, they're, they're starting to get a little healthy. Crossbow has come back. He's, you know, a big part of their game. Uh, Dial Nurse just signed a, a contract extension. Um, another kid that they drafted in the first round a couple of years ago, um, uh, Yamamoto is his last name. Um, mm-hmm. He's got 24 points in 25 games. He's a plus 17. I mean, you know, wow. and their goaltending has been decent. You know, Mike Smith and, and Miko Koskinen have basically um, split the duties. Um, Koskinen's playing to a 9.17 save percentage. But look, when you got a guy with 43 goals and 110 points in the beginning of March, uh, you know, you have a little bit of, uh, you know, you have a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, leeway in the way that you play. So um, these are tough games, man, especially oh, if you're no not doubt. playing on your top of your game. To see, uh, you know, to have to see uh, a tandem in McDavid and uh, and Dreisaitl that have uh, what seventy six goals this season between the two of them, that's uh, that's a little scary. Right. No. No question about it. And, and a little standings update, I guess. Is, go ahead. Go ahead. This and then is I'll the go. scary part. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but they have eighty seven power play points between the two of them. <laughs> that's unbelievable. I don't think the Islanders have eighty seven power play points on their entire roster. It is probably safe to say that without looking. Probably safe well, Barzell leads the team with 12. Barzell's got 12 power play points, okay? Let's yeah. put it this way. Yeah. Leon Dreisaitl's got 16 power play goals alone. <laughs> wow. That is, uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say that's that's pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you'd be right. That's a lot of firepower they're going to be dealing with, so... You know, we'll mm-hmm. uh, we'll see how that goes. Like you said, they they got to get their act together. And and again, just to uh, real quick update the the standings that I had mentioned before. It turns out that Vegas and Calgary played each other earlier tonight, and Vegas ended and up, Vegas won. Yeah, so that actually moves Vegas into sole possession of first place with eighty four points in the Pacific, with Edmonton and Calgary trailing behind them. So, again, no easy task coming up next week, but it is going to be the biggest week of the Islanders' season because there is a lot on the line. So, before we wrap up, we have a listener question from our pal Brian over at Isles Meetups. Great dude. Glad he's uh, he's chiming in here. So, here is his question. With the current state of the team, is it worth it to burn a year off of one of the Bridgeport players just to try to help this team potentially make the playoffs. Now, Tony, I will I will let you tackle that one first, and then I will add my thoughts when you are good to go. Um, I, I, I assume know, he's, I mean, he's referring to Wallstrom. I, I think he's the only guy that's actually in position to, to lose a to burn a contract if he comes up. Am I correct in that? Yes, he's the yes because um, he is yes he's the only, he's the only one because he's got a um, 
I think he's only, I think he's played the nine games and that's, and that's it for him. Right. Um, I mean, when, for me, if, if, if we had an injury, if you had an injury on this team to a, to a Josh Bailey or an Anders Lee or, or, or something to that effect where it was a, a place where Wallstrom could get, you know, uh, significant time up front. But I mean, Wallstrom has had a, 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 a really rough stretch and only, over the course of the last month has he really started to put significant games together. So if you go back to just after Valentine's Day, their game on February 15th, he scored a goal in that game, he had four shots. No points in that game, four shots. Point, yeah. point, no point, point, no point, no point, and points in three straights. But now in the last six games, his shot total, six, six, three, seven, three, and five. So he's shooting the puck. He's starting to put some points on the board. He's up to 21 points in 44 games. You know, I think that the Islanders got to look at Wallstrom early on. I think that they saw that he needed to have that time to to go down to the AHL to, to, to try to put uh, together a stretch where he could dominate. And he's starting to he's starting to do that. He's three for four in shootout uh, opportunities. Scored a goal, uh, I believe it was today. No, yesterday. I'm sorry. He scored a goal. He scored goals uh, on Friday and Saturday, and he had an assist today. But I mean, okay. look, when you have three games in a weekend, he's got three points and 15 shots in those three games. That that shows you something right there. So he's playing well. I, they don't have the you know they don't have the the ability to put him uh, in one of those those top spots at this point. I, I don't I don't see it at this point. And what we saw out of him early on. If he had come in and made some kind of a huge difference when he was in the lineup, right. I would say maybe you know you consider it. But I think that this kid needs you know a little bit more time to grow, um, to to put up more points, to be more offensive, and he's starting to show it. So I, I would hate to rip him out of that now when he's first starting to show some consistency for the first time being in the AHL, and then uh, and then ruin it by having a you know another stint where he's playing in the AHL. He's playing seven or eight minutes a night, so. I would. I, I. I know. I, I again feel the passion. I understand. You know, with Bellows and 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 Wallstrom, two guys who can put the puck in the net, and this team is not doing it. But honestly, they got to get more production out of the guys that they have here because everyone is playing underneath where they where they should at this point. Well, that's it right there, Tony. I, I I'm with you. I'm on board with you. I, I agree with what you had to say. But that very last thing that you mentioned is is where I'm at. And and here's the thing. If you have to rely on uh, a call-up of Oliver Wallstrom to salvage the playoffs for this team, they're not going anywhere anyway. I mean, it's got to be done right. with the players that are already up on this roster. You know, the, the Jordan Eberleys, the Matt Barzells, the Anders Lees, the Brock Nelsons, the Bavilliers, and the Baileys, they got to get the job done. They got to put the puck in the net. So, you know, again, just like you, I, I get the I get the thought process here because the, the, the offense has been struggling, but... Look, if if they're going to make any noise in the playoffs, they got to get it together as well, too. You know, I mean, they're not going to win any games if these guys don't start playing the way they're supposed to. So, you know, uh, I think you leave him where he is. Don't burn the contract. It is not worth it because, again, if, if they're just, you know, making the playoffs by the skin of their teeth because Oliver Wallstrom came up and then scored a goal or two before this season is out to, to help them get in, I mean, is it worth burning his contract for for something that isn't going to be promising heading into the playoffs? I mean, again, if they if they're just if they're just hanging on and they get in, you know, by that sort of situation, you know, and they they will more than likely get bounced out in the first round under those circumstances. No, it's definitely not worth burning a contract on on, on Wallstrom for that. So look, let him continue to build confidence and success down there. Now, look, if there's if there's injuries 
you know, and, you know, then maybe it changes the question, you know. But but my first thought is you bring up Bellows anyway. You know, he's having some success. He's he's shown that he can, you know, finally put some pucks in the net. I mean, this has been a very promising year for him. You know, maybe it didn't always look great when he came up with the NHL squad. But, look, if you're going to call anybody up, you don't have to worry about Wallstrom's contract. You bring up Bellows and maybe even just to be around the team if there is an injury or if they're looking for a shakeup. But, again, you know, we shouldn't be at this point of desperation where they have to rely on, you know, one of these kids down in Bridgeport to to save the season. I mean, I think you just got to put it on the shoulders of the guys that are supposed to be doing the work. You know, put put your faith in Anders Lee and, and the rest of the crew to get it done. Can they do it? I absolutely think they can. You know, maybe they get hot at the right time here, and all of a sudden they're they're riding a nice little streak into into the playoffs, and then everybody's feeling much better about that first round matchup. I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned, they got to stay out of that last wild card spot. As long as they get into the third spot or the first wild card spot. I feel pretty good because that means a they earned it because they you know won themselves some points in comparison to the teams that they're competing against, and it also means that they're going to play a team you know either like Philadelphia, Washington, or Pittsburgh, um, you know who I think the Islanders can hang with. You know, I mean, yeah, maybe they end up finishing a little bit lower in the standings against those teams, but in a seven-game series, if the Islanders are playing their game, I think they have a shot. I just want nothing to do with the Boston Bruins. Nothing. And it looks like they're going to take that first spot. So stay away from the second wild card. Get in there, and anything can happen, right? You get a fresh fresh slate. But, yes, Brian, long-winded answer to your question. Let's leave Wallstrom down there. Let's leave Bellows down there if there's no injuries. And just let's let this team get themselves out of this funk and get themselves into the playoffs. Agreed. Tony agrees, folks. <laughs> Tony agrees. So, so with that, why don't uh, why don't you just give us a quick little Bridgeport report with Tony Stabile, and then we will finally wrap this thing up, Tom. Yeah, well, the Bridgeport Sound Tigers played three games in three days, which is these you know you talk about you know condensed schedules and whatnot, but they played Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, they win two of the three games, which is uh, which is good to see. They scored some goals, which is good to see also. Uh, Friday night, they uh, they uh, beat the Lehigh uh, Valley Phantoms six to four. Brian, uh, keeper Brian Bellows, oh my god! I've keeper done it too. two goals. <laughs> oh my god! Two keeper Bellows scores two goals in that game. Uh, he now has four goals in the six games that he's uh, since he's been back uh, in the AHL. So that's a good thing. It's the twenty goal mark uh, for the first time in his young career. So that's a good sign for keeper Bellows. Um, he had an assist in Saturday's game against, uh, um, who they play on Saturday? They played, uh, oh, they played, um, the Wilkes Bar, uh, baby pens. And then, uh, today, 12 minutes in penalties, <laughs> takes an unsportsmanlike conduct. Nice. Does not have a point for Kiefer Bellows, but, uh, they, um, the, uh, the Bridgeport, they lose, um, five to two to the baby pens on Saturday and they rally for a six to five win. In the shootout today, the winner is uh, was scored in the in the shootout by Terry Broadhurst, who was just acquired from the Charlotte Checkers. Oh, how about uh, that? Which is kind of interesting. Yep, he, uh, he had like he had like seven points in forty games for Charlotte, and he's got two points in his first three games uh, since being brought over to uh, to Bridgeport. Oliver Wallstrom scored a absolutely gorgeous goal in the short and the shootout of this one. Uh, and they were down five to two, by the way, if I might add, uh, Bridgeport. Okay. Um, Broadhurst scored a goal in the third, and then Nick Pirog and 
Bobo Carpenter, or now as he's being called Robert Carpenter, all scored within six minutes to go from a 5-2 to two deficit to a 5-5 five, five tie, and then they end up winning in overtime. So uh, not a bad weekend. Um, not a bad weekend for the uh, the Town Tigers. Uh, if you look at their uh, if you look at their point totals, you see as I told you before, Wallstrom is starting to put points up on the board. Uh, Bellows is still considering, you know, after coming down from the Islanders, now has uh, seemed to have kept his hot scoring going. Good, so good. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a little bit. They're only eleven games under five hundred now, which you would think after looking at their their numbers throughout the season, you'd be shocked that that's the case. But they have definitely been playing better, and. Um, you know, there's uh, there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with those kids, but you know, um, the one thing that we didn't talk about that you know that we just should touch on real quick before we get before we go here is, you know, the Islanders now are in a position that they're forced to make the playoffs because if they don't, you know, they're going to go into this off season with minus a first and a second round pick, and a team and that first that ends up in the lottery playoffs. Yeah. If you don't make the playoffs, that first is in a lottery, and it's only one through three protected. So, yep, um, it is definitely a a a a must that they make this they, they make the playoffs. And you know, at some point or another, they're going to have to realize that. Look, that's not the only reason why they have to do it. They should do it <laughs> right. because they were in the playoffs. <laughs> to to try to win a Stanley team, Cup is a good reason. reason. <laughs> right. I mean, if they're a playoff team, they're good enough to be a playoff team. They're good enough to do damage. I mean, we talked about it a lot this year. They've yeah. added their reinforcements. They should be able to do this. They should be able to pull us out. But that is another reason that this team needs to make it because you do not want to be going into that lottery and end up with a number five pick that you didn't have to turn over to the Ottawa Senators uh-huh. uh, in uh-huh. that, for that trade for Pajot. Absolutely. So that is another thing. That is another thing that's on the uh, you know that needs to be uh, needs to be addressed. Um, the last player with Bridgeport, I'd like to just say one thing about is Grant Hutton is the guy. The um, this is also college free agent time, so keep an eye on Lou there. There's a couple of guys that are out there that uh, the Islanders are rumored to be interested in. Um, you know, of course, with Lou, you'll never find out until it actually happens. Right. But one guy that they signed, uh, one one guy that they did sign uh, last season was Grant Hutton. He is actually on a really good streak. He's got 13 points in his last 18 games, had a real good game today, three assists, was a plus three. He now has 20 points in 54 games. Nice. Something to keep an eye on because he opened some eyes in training camp this year. He's got a real hard shot. He's a big kid. Um, so to see him starting to take those steps in the AHL level means that, you know, could we have another guy on that back end who could possibly fill in at some point? He's a big kid, 6'3", 209. So uh, it's good to see him, uh, you know, playing well and uh, and putting some points up on the board. Yes, and one final note on the Bridgeport Sound Tigers that we uh, haven't talked about on this show was they uh, reassigned a player to the St. Louis Blues uh, minor league affiliate in San Antonio. <laughs> That's it. That's where we'll leave it. With oh, the, they did. They oh, did. I, I don't. I don't yeah, I yeah, that. yeah. They reassigned a player. Um, yeah, the name escapes me, but. He, um, he's no longer playing for the yeah. Sun Tigers. He's, he's still on the property, but he is now playing with the Blues affiliate in San Antonio. And I, I dare not even even say whether or not the book is closed on, on that situation because um, we, we have said it enough on this show. But uh, last... Three points in five games there, by the way, just so you're aware. Did you have to? Okay. All right. Well, good for him. Just telling you. Thanks, <laughs> uh, all right. All right. All right, and the last little nugget, I guess, before we really wrap the show up, is uh, on the on the Twitterverse and perhaps elsewhere. A couple more renderings, a couple updated renderings of the Belmont Arena 
have been leaked, I suppose. I don't know if they were mm-hmm. they were officially put out or not, but somebody got their hands on them and were kind enough to to share them with the masses. I don't know if uh, you guys out there got a chance to see them. Uh, it was only about four four photos, but I have to say it's looking really good. And in particular, pal, that uh, that main entrance, the lobby, I think it's gorgeous, man. I think it looks really great. I'm yeah, really excited I, about this building. Uh, I agree. It is gorgeous. The whole everything that I've seen, every picture that I've seen is gorgeous. And, and all the space. The live came out. It's so open. Okay. I said all the space. Yeah, I know. Yes, yes, no, no question. But to see the uh, to see the the actual building itself in the stages that it's in now, the fact that they got the cranes out now, a lot of the steel has been put in place. You can start to see some of the tiers have been put up. Uh, it is. It's really, really. It's 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 exciting. It really is. It's in happening, time folks. It's in a time where it seems that nothing is going right. This is definitely going right. So. Long term, the health of this franchise is in the best shape it's been in a very, very long time. Now let's just see these these fellas get their act together and start, you know, winning some games like they were not too long ago, and give us something to cheer for as we head into the meat of March and, of course, into April. So, Tony, unless you have anything else, we can wrap it up, pal. What do you got? No, I'm I'm good. I uh, once again I apologize for uh, for the uh, salty language. It's uh, you know not usually my thing, but uh, it was good to see. Buddy, sometimes you got to let the fire out. You know, you just got to share and get it out of your system. Hopefully, you'll sleep a little better tonight because you got it all out there. But folks, so. want to thank you all for tuning in as always to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can always tune in live. Or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at HockeyNightNY. You can follow Tony Stabile at Tony Stabile. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. And please, folks, if you have a minute, have a second, please rate and review the show. That helps us out. Give us some feedback. And it just ultimately helps us get our name out there. So please, if you have some time, let us know what you think about the show. We really appreciate it. And hey, keep the listener questions coming, folks. Keep sending us some questions. We'll throw them up on the show. Love to discuss it. Want to send out a thanks to Brian for participating with us tonight. So folks, for Tony Stabale, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great night.